Well, you all may be seated. Welcome once again on this Easter morning. My name is Eric Channing. I'm one of the pastors here. We are so glad that you are with us. If you're new with us, we'd love to meet you. You can scan a QR code in your bulletin or just come talk to us. We'd love to meet you. We also have a gift for you in the back. There's free copies of a book called Gentle and Lowly. It's about who Jesus is. It's a wonderful book. It's sold millions of copies, but you get a free copy on your way out or give it to someone that you would like to have that. Um, It says in the bulletin for the kids to leave, but I think we're going to have the kids stay in for a bit because I want them to hear this testimony. I'm going to invite up Felicity, Felicity Carswell, and she's going to, we're just going to have a little interview and uh, talk about how Jesus has changed her life. And so it's going to be exciting to hear from Felicity. So Felicity, uh, tell me, when did you first sense your need for Christ? Morning, everyone. I grew up in a home where I would have said we were culturally Christian. You might be able to pick up from my accent. I'm from England. And because I was English, I thought that I was probably Christian. I went to church a little bit. I have a mum who goes to the village church um, regularly. And so I used to go along a bit. And so as I came towards uh, age 17, 18, and I was heading off to university, and I would have said I was Christian because I was English and I knew a bit about Noah and his ark and all that, you know, the, the Bible stories. And so I hit university and I thought I was a Christian. And when I got to university, uh, I met various people who were actually Christian. They knew Jesus, and I really had no understanding of who Jesus was. I was just calling myself a Christian. And I went to university with every kind of desire for being a student. You know, I was running pretty fast, doing all the things, playing lots of sport, studying a little bit, and uh, just enjoying life. And along the way, these Christians who knew Jesus, and one girl in particular who was becoming a dear friend, and she was very different to me. And the reason that she was different was that there was, Jesus was at the heart of what she was about, not just on Sundays, but actually in all of her life. And so when I was playing sport with her, or I was out and about with her, she was kind of different. And, and that really surprised me, because I thought I was a Christian, and she was saying she was a Christian. And I think it was in that kind of friendship, really, that I began to see my need for something greater than what I was about. I sensed that there was something about Jesus that was desirable. And to be honest, my life at university, while it was full and fast and fun, I was also pretty empty. I wasn't massively happy with who I was becoming. And so there was something about the way that she was living life that was desirable. And we began to have conversations about it. And and eventually I agreed to sit down and read one of the eyewitness accounts in the Bible, Mark's Gospel, and we read that together. And I encountered Jesus in a way that I never had before. And it was at that point I realized that God had something to say, not just about my life, like on a Sunday at church when I was back home with my mum, but actually all of my life. And um, Jesus moved into the center of my life. There's a verse in Ephesians that says that um, we, would, we were actually dead and then we were made alive in Christ because of God's great love. And I would have said that I was living life to the full, but actually as I encountered Jesus, I realized that life was in him and that changed everything. Hmm. 
That's amazing. Well, it's always amazing to hear stories of God's grace in someone's life. So tell me, what did your life look like after you trusted in Christ? What did that do in terms of changing the way you thought or behaved or anything like that? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Easter, it's all about Jesus' resurrection and that life that Jesus gives us in that. And I think one of my big realizations when I came to know Jesus was that he impacts not just the Sundays, but actually all of my life. And so that life that he'd given me, that was to be lived in every area of my life. And that included on the sports field, when I was out with friends, when I was studying, when I was just interacting with people. And I definitely didn't get it all right, and I still don't get it all right. I kind of stumble along trying to live the life that Jesus has given me. But the difference, I think, was quite marked because my desires had changed. Kind of seeing this life that Jesus was giving me, and it was just way better and way more beautiful than anything that I was kind of scrabbling around to achieve. And so suddenly I actually wanted to live for him. My uh, housemates, the people I was living with at university, they all thought I'd just flip the lid. I was like, what is this? It's just a phase, what's happening? And it was quite an abrupt change in many ways. But I think that same desire is what characterizes like, kind of the way I live life now. Mm-hmm. As best of my ability, by God's grace, stumbling along the way, mm-hmm. but seeking to live out that life that Jesus has given me in every part of my life. Mm-hmm. Why don't you speak to that just a little bit, uh, that stumbling. What is uh, the Lord teaching you now? How has he uh, revealed himself to you in, in this stage of life? Yeah, it's interesting. So that's, that's like been 20 years or so of following Jesus. And you'd think, well, I think maybe I thought back 20 years ago that by this stage I'd be really good at living for Jesus. <laughs> and the reality is that I think I'm probably more aware of my stumbles and my sin than ever before. But I think that I'm more aware of God's grace to me. And so any time that I'm, I'm seeking to live for Jesus, I think, ah, oh, the, the Lord really is at work in me. And I think one thing that I've been mulling over the last year or so is um, I've always known that I'm supposed to be obedient to God's commands in his Bible, in his word. And I felt like I should be obedient. And I think over the last year or so, I've come to realize that those commands and the life that he leads me towards, they're actually desirable. That is a beautiful thing. And this life that Christ has given is better. And so I kinda, I'm more eager to be obedient to him, I think, in that and to, to see that in action. Hmm. That's wonderful. Well, tell us real quick, show us your family. We want to just meet your family. So we, we, I know them. I'm not going to point them out. You point <laughs> them out, and who, who are these people over here? <laughs> we have Jonathan yep. and then Rufus and Billy. Yeah. Well, there, what, a, yeah. what a blessing. Well, <laughs> Felicity is part of uh, the leadership team. She really kind of leads our women's ministry efforts with our women's Bible study. And what are you excited about right now, Felicity, about what God is doing amongst the women here at Hope? Well, any woman who's been in Bible study knows that I get excited about a lot. And I'm really excited about women in hope gathering around God's word, which that life that we've been talking about, I think it's really evident as we've been gathering around God's word. Every Tuesday evening, we, we gather and we study the word, we talk about it, we pray, pray it in. And I think the life that we're talking about here is evident amongst so many of the women at hope. And it's a joy to see God at work in that way. That's wonderful. So if, if I were a woman, a woman who, who I'm not, uh, obviously, <laughs> uh, and I wanted to learn about women's Bible study, could I 
do I have to wait till like next fall or how, how would I get involved? No, come, come. Tuesday evenings, seven o'clock, we meet in the church office. We're just in the um, last couple of chapters of James letter in the Bible and we meet every Tuesday up until uh, May. So come and join us and then we start again in the fall. But mm. yeah, come and say hello to me or in fact, most women in this room would be mm -hmm. able to tell you something about that. Well, praise the Lord, Felicity, for what he's done in your life and what he continues to do in and through the women here at Hope. We're, we're so thrilled with what God is doing here. So uh, now if you are a child, you can be dismissed and we're going to come to the Lord and, and thank the Lord uh, for these things and, and come to him in prayer. Yeah, we have a lot of children. If you're new here, we have a lot of children here, which is wonderful. Okay, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we do praise you. We give you thanks for how you have intervened in our lives. And as we just heard through Felicity's life, a great testimony of you intervening in her life, Lord, we all have stories. Stories how you have revealed yourself, you, the King of Kings, have come down and shown us of our need of forgiveness. You've shown us our sin and you've shown us Christ. And so, Lord, today we worship you. Today we honor you. We affirm that you are alive, Lord Jesus, that you reign. And Lord, I pray that you would reign more and more in each one of our hearts even today. Yet on this Easter morning, Lord, some of us are not rejoicing. There are some here who are struggling mightily. Some are struggling in their marriage. Some are struggling in their faith. They're wondering if it's all true. And Lord, I ask that all of us here today would be able to cast our cares upon you this morning that the weight of our sin, the, the guilt that we may feel, the burdens that we have, I pray that we could cast those squarely at your feet and confess our sins, give you our burdens. And so now, Lord, I ask that we would do that as your Holy Spirit brings to mind those things in our lives that need to come to you. I pray that we would do that in a moment of silence. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your, your deep and abundant grace and mercy toward us. We're grateful that you have washed away our sins, that they are as far as the east or from the west, that we are not guilty before you, those of us who have trusted in you. We're grateful that we have your righteousness, that that is our standing before you, because we know we could not stand before a holy God. Lord, today again, we proclaim your victory. We proclaim that you, Jesus, reign, and you will reign forever and ever. So, Lord, I ask that you today would fill us with power through your Holy Spirit, that you would uh, overflow, your spirit's love and grace would overflow 
into uh, others' lives, that we would impact others for you, that we might be able to go and tell others of this resurrection. We worship you today, Lord. We ask that you would speak to us as we come to your word in a moment, as we sing to you, we praise your name, that we would see your love through the fellowship of the, the body here. And Lord, we pray all glory would go to you. And we pray these things in the name and authority of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, let's stand and sing another song. Well, today is Easter Sunday. I hope you know that. And he is risen. He is risen indeed. There we go. I don't know if we were going to do that, but yeah, that was good. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the end of Mark's gospel. It's the gospel that Felicity said really helped change her life. And we're going to look at the resurrection account. And as we look at it, we want to see what does this resurrection have as relevance for us today. So we're gonna be in Mark 16, verse one to eight. It's gonna be up on the screens or you can turn there in your Bibles. This is the word for us uh, today from the Lord. Mark 16, verse one to eight. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Well, you may sit down and let's pray as we come to God's word. Help, let us help him to uh, have him help us understand his word today. Father in heaven, we, we do come to your word grateful, grateful for your plan of salvation, grateful that Jesus is alive And we ask today by the power of your spirit that you might speak to us. You might open our eyes to the glories of the resurrection. and That you might change our lives as a result. We ask that you would do this according to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, today is Easter. I've said that about three times now, so in case you're not aware, today is Easter. It's a special holiday. For many of us, it's a special holiday because we gather with family and friends. Sometimes there's Easter egg hunts, kids, I don't know. 
I know our family does a pretty massive one. We have six children, so we've got a lot of eggs going. A lot of stuff happens on Easter. But it's really important that we understand what is the big deal about Easter. And I'll give you a hint. It's, it's not about the Easter bunny. It's because Easter is the most monumental event in the Christian faith. Without Easter, without the resurrection, there is no faith. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Jesus has not been raised, our faith is futile. You're still in your sins if Jesus has not been raised. And so today at the end of Mark's gospel, we are going to explore how we can have confidence that the resurrection has really happened. This is a story that many of us have heard multiple times. But this is a story that uh, did happen, and we want to explore that and how it should affect our lives today. And the main point of today's message is quite straightforward. You would assume it because it's Easter, but the main point is Jesus truly rose from the grave. Jesus truly rose from the grave. And as we walk through this familiar story, we need to pay attention to the three different movements within the narrative. There's three movements that if we pay attention to what's going on here, we will have greater confidence, we'll gain greater confidence that the resurrection truly happened. So what are those movements we need to pay attention to? Well, first, we need to pay attention to his eyewitnesses, God's eyewitnesses in the story. That's in verses one to four. And then we need to pay attention to the angel's testimony. The angel's testimony in verses five to seven. And then finally, we need to pay attention to the response of those eyewitnesses in verse eight. So let's first pay attention to the testimony of the eyewitnesses. We need to consider again whom God chose as his witnesses. We talked about this a little bit on Good Friday. But God chose women to be the first witnesses of the resurrection. And that's quite a surprise given the context in the first century. Because women at that time were not allowed testimony. Their testimony in a court of law was not accepted. They were not valued in that society. So we hear of these three women that were also at the cross, who are witnesses to the cross. Now they're witnesses to the resurrection. We hear uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and Salome. And on Good Friday, we, we talked about how they were not credible witnesses. But here, as we think about the resurrection, it lends great credibility to the story. And it's quite ironic why that's the case. Because if this resurrection story was fabricated, absolutely no one at that time in history would have ever put forward women as the primary witnesses. That would not be a good plan if you wanted people to believe it. But the story was true, and women were the first witnesses, and so that's in God's word. But these weren't just any women. They were faithful followers of Jesus. They were people who had been with Jesus throughout his ministry up in Galilee. They had served Jesus faithfully during his life, and now they were serving him in his death. So they were uh, faithful Jews. They were waiting until the end of the Sabbath, which was 
6 p.m. roughly on Saturday night, and they went and bought spices. It tells us in verse 1 of our text. It was probably dark outside, so they waited until the next morning, until they saw a little light to go and anoint the body of Jesus. Well, in addition to being faithful, these women were courageous. They were courageous to go to the tomb. Because at this time in the first century, going to a tomb outside Jerusalem alone, these three women alone, walking in the near dark, that was a dangerous proposition. Because it wasn't a safe place. They were courageous. It was also dangerous because they were identifying with a crucified criminal, or supposed criminal, And identifying with him would be dangerous. But they were willing to accept those risks. They were courageous because they loved the Lord and they were willing to serve him out of their love. So as we picture this story, these faithful, courageous women, you got to picture they were surely stricken with intense grief. If you've ever lost someone unexpectedly, you kind of have a faint sense of maybe what they were feeling. They had incredible grief. They were crushed with the current reality. They were freshly mourning the unexpected death of their teacher, of their friend. All their hopes for the future seemed to be dashed. What was the future going to hold? There was all these things going through their minds, surely. And in that state of mourning, if you've ever gone through that kind of loss, you know that it's nearly impossible to think rationally during that time, to, to kind of um, operate on all cylinders. And so it was pretty impressive what they did. They had planned to get all these spices. They were doing things. But they did, uh, in their, the fog of mourning, the, the fog of their grief, they did forget a kind of big detail. They're, they're going along the way, and they're like talking to each other. And it says... Uh, they're wondering like, well, how are we going to get this stone <laughs> moved? You know, we got all the spices, we got everything. Uh, they forgot that this stone was heavier than three women could move. This was a massive stone. And so they didn't know what they were going to do. But the text in verse 4 says they looked up and they saw that the stone had been rolled back. So you can imagine their surprise. You can imagine even their fear. They were thinking, well, what in the world's going on? Why has someone opened the tomb? Well, they got to the tomb and they went inside and what they saw shocked them because Jesus was not there. Someone else was there, but not Jesus. We'll get to that someone else in just a moment. So as we close this first movement of the story, these witnesses of these three women, they should give us confidence about the truth of the resurrection. We should have confidence first because women were even used in this story. Because in the context of the first century, that made no sense. And we should have confidence second because these were trustworthy women. These were faithful women who had been with Jesus forever. These were courageous women. Well, the second movement of the story that we need to pay attention to if we want to have confidence in the resurrection is the angel's testimony. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can look at verse 5 there. And in verse 5, the women enter the tomb. And the text says, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Now, if you read this at face value, you're like, so there was a, you know, like a teenager 
with a white robe. Like, why were they so scared? Well, Mark doesn't always give us all the details that the other gospel writers do. So to help fill this out a little bit, we can go to Matthew's account, and he, can, he fills out the scene for us a little bit. He says in Matthew 28 that there was first a great earthquake. Mark failed to mention the earthquake. It's kind of a, a detail. He didn't he want to tell us that. And then the angel came down from heaven and rolled away the stone. Now, these women may not have seen all that happen. To be fair, Mark may not have known those details. But the angel comes down from heaven and rolls away the stone. The sight was so terrifying that the soldiers who were guarding the tomb were struck as like dead men because they were terrified. They were fearful. So now we can hopefully better appreciate why the women were a bit alarmed. This was an alarming situation. I don't know about you, but I've never seen an angel. Any angel? Uh, well, I don't want to take hands. That would be uh, conversations for later. But throughout Scripture, when people see angels, they are terrified. When they see these glorious beings from heaven, often the very first thing the angel says is, do not be afraid. And that's essentially what the angel says here in verse 6. Look there. He says, He said to them, do not be alarmed. And then in the very next sentence, the angel shares the gospel in short form with the women. This is a wonderful summary of the greatest news that has ever been told. This is what he says. We need to pay attention to his testimony. He says, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here See the place where they laid him. Friends, this brief statement is the reason why we are celebrating today. It is the reason why Easter is the pinnacle of the Christian calendar. And I would argue it's the reason why we're even gathered here as Hope Fellowship. It's the reason why we exist. Because Jesus of Nazareth was crucified. And he has risen. Well, it begs the question, why does it all matter? Why does it matter that Jesus was raised? Well, I'll tell you why it matters. By rising from the dead, Jesus proved that death could not hold him, that he had defeated death once for all. And the stronghold of sin had been broken and that it proved that his sacrifice on Good Friday on the cross was accepted by God. It proved that the payment for our sins was paid in full. But his resurrection also showed us what our destiny will be if we trust in him. We'll be united with him, buried with him in baptism, Paul says, and raised with him to walk in the newness of life. His resurrection was the first fruits of all of those of us who would follow in his footsteps. And so the fact that Jesus was raised from the grave should give us ultimate confidence in our salvation. Paul says in Romans 4.25 that Jesus was delivered over up for our trespasses. That's his death on the cross. That was Good Friday. And that he was raised for our justification. It's It's a deep verse. We could go into it for a long time. But basically this means that because of the resurrection, 
those of us who believe in Jesus can have full confidence that our justification before God is secure, that it will never be removed, it cannot be shaken in any way. What is justification? But meaning that we have been counted not guilty, that our sins have been forgiven, they have been washed away, and we have been given the righteousness, the positive righteousness of Jesus Christ. And when you trust in the Lord Jesus, your justification is secure and the resurrection gives you that confidence because Jesus has raised, God has accepted the payment, Jesus is alive. Well, on the contrary, if Jesus was not raised, then Paul says, then eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Because if Jesus was not raised, your life has no ultimate meaning or purpose. If Jesus wasn't raised, you have no hope. So eat, drink, tomorrow, for tomorrow we die. But friends, he has been raised. Jesus has been raised. How do we know that? We know it from the testimony of Scripture. We know it from the testimony of this angel and of the women who witnessed these events. We know it from the testimony of the four gospel writers. We know it because Scripture tells us that Jesus appeared to Peter and all the apostles Then he appeared to 500 people at one time after his resurrection. Then he appeared to Paul himself on the Damascus Road. No one was ever ever able to produce the dead body of Jesus. That would have been very advantageous if the Roman authorities could have produced the body of Jesus or if the religious leaders could have produced the body of Jesus. That would have been a very advantageous thing for them to do. But they could never find it. They could never find the body of Jesus. Why? Because he rose from the dead. Because he's alive. When on this Easter Sunday, we need to ask ourselves, do we believe the angel's testimony about Jesus? Do we believe that he was crucified for us and that he has risen. Let today be the day that you put your hope and your faith in the Lord Jesus. If you have not done that, Easter Sunday is the best day to put your faith in the Lord Jesus. There's no better day. Well, any day is a good day, but Easter Sunday is the best of days. You see, on your own, apart from Christ, if you do not know Christ, if you have not trusted in him, you are guilty before a holy God. Everything you've done, everything you've said that's against God, you are guilty before him. And you, des- you uh, are going to get just condemnation for those sins against the holy God. But Jesus has died so that you might not receive that condemnation but you would receive Jesus' righteousness instead. And so when you stand before a holy God, you could say, I'm pleading him. I'm pleading Jesus' life. I'm with him. And so if you haven't done that this morning, I would ask, the Lord would ask, put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be justified. You will be saved. Well, if you do believe the angel's testimony, which is many, if not most of us here, 
this morning, then consider and ask yourself this question. How is Jesus' resurrection currently affecting the way I'm living my life? Is there any difference in my life because I am trusting in the resurrection of Jesus? Because authentic faith in Jesus will produce a resurrection life. It will produce a change in your life. Now, granted, we're not all gonna change at the same rate. We're not all gonna be on the same exact path. But if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus, he will change you to be more like him. So ask yourself this morning, how am I relying on Jesus' power to take steps of faith, to walk in obedience to him, to be his representative here on this earth? Am I doing that? Am I living as if he is raised? Or am I living as if he is still in the grave? In other words, are you living by faith as if the Lord can do all things through you, that he is alive? Or are you walking by sight just like everyone else who doesn't know him? Let today be a reminder to you that if you have trusted in Christ, God has given you, yes, you, the same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. That same power is within you, believer, to live a victorious life, to live a life that he wants you to live, to change you, to make you more like his son. Well, the angel isn't done. Look what he tells the woman in verse seven. He says, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Well, here we see the loving heart the compassionate heart of our Lord. What is an angel but a messenger? So you can imagine the Lord Jesus telling this angel, telling this messenger what he needs to say to the women. And you can imagine what Jesus says, tell the disciples and tell Peter. Don't forget to tell Peter. Now why did he say that? All the disciples fled. All the disciples left when Jesus was taken up uh, by the chief priests and all the rest. Why did he single out Peter? Well, because Peter was one of the leaders. And Peter had said, Lord, I'm never going to deny you. But Peter had denied him three times, just like Jesus told him. And he had done it in a very, very public way. And you can imagine at this time what Peter was thinking. Jesus is dead and he's thinking, what in the world is my standing? Where do I stand? I just denied the Lord three times and now he died. The Lord says to the angel, go, go and tell Peter that he's gonna see me. He's gonna see me in Galilee. And I wonder if there is someone here this morning I wonder if you are feeling like Peter. I wonder if you are feeling like you have blown it with Jesus. That you have been ashamed of him. You have refused to stand up for him at work. You have refused to stand up for him with your family. Perhaps even worse, you have just denied him outright. 
Or maybe you are just living in blatant disobedience to the Lord. And even right now, the Lord is convicting you of sin in your heart. And you're wondering, I think I'm probably too far past God's grace. I've done too much. It doesn't extend that far. Well, if that's you this morning, hear these words of the angel to the women to pass along to Peter. The Lord's grace is so much greater than our failures. It is so much greater than we could ever imagine. Jesus, friends, has not given up on you. His arms are open wide to you, and this morning his arms are open wide saying, come back to me. He's calling you back to himself today. No matter how inadequate you feel, no matter how unworthy you think you are, You are accepted before a holy God when you trust in him. Not because of your works, not because you're such a good person that you're doing all these good things. It's because of what Jesus has done. That's why you're accepted. You're accepted because of Jesus' finished work, his death and his resurrection. We must never forget that. So if that is you today, if you are a Peter, Would you come back? Would you come back? Would you hear the words of the Lord here through Mark? Well, if you do know and love Jesus, let these angels' words to these women be your marching orders today. What did did the angel say? Go and tell them. Go and tell them. Go and tell others about the resurrection. That's your marching order today, Christian. If you know and love Jesus, if you know that he is alive, go and tell others that he is alive, that the price has been paid, that the victory has been won. Even today, even this afternoon, who could you tell? Who could you tell about the resurrection? Go and tell others about it. Well, as you consider this story of the resurrection, we we need to pay attention to the angel's testimony and let let it give us confidence that it really did happen. The resurrection did happen. Well, now we come to the third and final movement in the story, and this should give us confidence, further confidence in the resurrection as well, and this is the response of the eyewitnesses. So look at verse eight with me. The final verse in our passage, it's a curious one, especially likely because this is the final verse in Mark's gospel. Some of your Bibles probably have some brackets and have some verses 9 to 20, and they say the earliest manuscripts do not have these verses or something similar. Well, why does, why does your Bible say that? Well, according to the process of textual criticism, we know that the very earliest manuscripts, the copies of the originals, did not have verses 9 to 20 in them. But they did come into later uh, scribes and, and copyists inserted these words, likely, and they made their way into various copies and now into our English Bibles. But almost certainly, these are not wholly inspired words of Scripture, verses 9 to 20. So the If that's the case, it seems to be the case, given all the internal and external evidence, 
the last verse of Mark's gospel ends on a very curious note. So let me read it out again. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, how's that for the end of (laughs) the gospel? Seems a a bit abrupt. So what's going on here? Well, there is wonder and fear and awe when you realize the reality of the resurrection. This is what these women were experiencing, experiencing as the full weight of the moment, the full weight of the reality that the angels' words, they were sinking in. And the text says that they were seized simultaneously with trembling and astonishment. Trembling, they might have been literally shaking because of the news, or at least internally shaking. And astonishment. Earlier in Mark's gospel, this word astonishment was used when Jesus raised a little girl from the dead. And people were amazed. They were astonished. That's what these women are feeling. And I want you to notice how the women's disposition have changed. Remember how they entered in towards the tomb. They, were, they had some small talk going hey, what's going to go on with the rolling away of the tomb, you know, or the stone? Like, what's going to happen here? As they leave the tomb, as they encounter the angel, there's no small talk. They, the text says that they fled. They took off. They, they talked to no one, not even each other. They were going. They were booking it. For they were afraid, the text says. Now, Again, we need to understand what's going on here. We talked about this earlier. These were courageous women. These were women that weren't afraid of death, not afraid of identifying with Jesus. So what was this fear? Scholars love to debate about what the fear is about, and I I read most of those opinions this week. But here's my best understanding of what's going on in this verse. I believe their fear was a result of realizing that it was all true that it was all true. They realized the first that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. That he wasn't just a great teacher. He wasn't just a worker of miracles. He was himself God. Earlier in Mark's gospel, this word fear is used in the same way when you know there was this rocky storm and uh, the disciples, Jesus sleeping, they wake up Jesus and like, hey, we're gonna die here, we're a little scared. And then Jesus says, be calm, be still to the storm. And the, and the storm dies down. Same word, the disciples, they were afraid. They were afraid. They were no longer afraid of the storm. They were afraid of Jesus because they realized he was God. It's like Peter, some many months back when they were also in a boat and They were fishing and Jesus told them to put the net somewhere and then all of a sudden they had this huge catch of fish. And Peter all of a sudden realized this is not just the rabbi in Israel. This is the son of God. And he was terrified. And he said, depart from me for I'm a sinful man. That's what I think is going on here with these women. They are filled with awe. 
They are filled with wonder and they're filled with fear because they realize in a new way that Jesus is God. It's all true. He is alive. Well, when your eyes are open to greatness, it changes your perspective. I was reminded of this uh, some months ago when someone shared with me a YouTube video of all things about the singer Adele. Now, if you don't know who Adele is, you're probably over 45. We'll just say that. She's one of the most famous singers in the world, okay? She's, she's written some songs like Hello and things like that. Anyway, there's this British reality TV show where there was all of these Adele impersonators, and they were trying to do their best impressions of Adele, and they were going to film this. But what the impersonators didn't know is that they had actually invited the real Adele to participate as one of the impersonators. And they gave her a fake nose and they gave her new clothes and they made her talk a different way. And so she didn't look like Adele, but she was Adele. And so all these impersonators were going, they were having small talk with Jenny, who was Adele. And uh, they they were talking to her and Jenny Adele was saying how nervous she was and all these things. So all the impersonators went one by one by one. They all went. And then last but not least, the real Adele, who is named Jenny in this story, came up. And when the real Adele opened her mouth and sang, the response was priceless. One of the women, they were all watching from where you all are, And she opened her mouth, and one of the women was looking, and all of a sudden she goes. And she looks aside, and she realizes, at that moment, she realized this is the real Adele. And one by one, every one of the impersonators, at first a few of them were like, no, that's not really her, it's not really her. But one by one, they all were convinced. And some started just weeping. They were, they were crying. They couldn't believe that their hero was right in front of them. They were astonished that the real Adele was in their midst. Well, friends, on so much a greater level, these women at the tomb had that aha moment seeing the angel, seeing the empty tomb, hearing that Jesus had risen from the grave and they realized, oh, it's all real. It's true, they were astonished, they were full of fear. Jesus had risen from the dead and they were gonna see him again. And on this Easter morning, perhaps you need to recapture that same sense of awe and a healthy sense of fear of the Lord at the news of his death and resurrection. To remember that Jesus' resurrection means that he's Lord over all. He reigns over all. He is in control of it all. He is the Savior of all, and he is alive. And if you have trusted in him, you owe him your very life. So today, this Easter Sunday, will you bow before him in reverent fear and awe? Will you worship him for what he has done for you? This news should change our lives. It must change our lives. Because Jesus is alive. He has risen. 
And if you have trusted in him, you have his spirit within you, empowering you for daily life. So this Easter, pay attention to the response of these eyewitnesses to the resurrection. And it will give you greater confirmation that it truly happened. Well, this message of the gospel is good news. It's more than good news. It's the greatest news of all time. But friends, we mustn't forget that it's news, that it really happened. This isn't some fairy tale. These are events that are recorded in human history. We even measure time differently because Jesus rose from the dead, B.C. and A.D. That's the world has changed their concept of time because of it. Jesus died, he was buried, and gloriously, he was raised. Mark's account helps us see this truth of this claim. The wider world does acknowledge that Jesus changed the world in some way. But to receive resurrection life and to receive resurrection power for living, you must believe in him. You must surrender your will to him. You must trust in him. And so the question as we close is do you believe? I pray that you do. Oh, I pray that you do. And if you do believe, go and tell others about this resurrection. Jesus is alive. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we are truly in awe of you. We're in awe of how you have orchestrated this world. At times we don't understand it. But at moments like this on Easter Sunday, we realize, Lord, you are God. And Jesus is Lord, that he has risen. So Lord, I pray that for those who may be wandering, who have never trusted today, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. And for those of us who know and love you, Lord, help us to live with the power you give us. Help us to bow down and worship you, even now, as we remember your glorious resurrection. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen.